1 John chapter 5, I actually would love to read the whole lot, but I'm not going to. I'm going to read to you from verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say they should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin not leading to death. Does that freak you out when you suddenly read that? Do you know it's in the Bible? There's sin not leading to death. Think about that. Thought about it? Good. All right. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. I want to talk about the little things in our life that stop God doing things. He says, this is the confidence that we have, that we can ask anything according to his will, and he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we've asked of him. So why is it that we ask of him and we know that he hears us, but we don't see the things that we're wanting to see come about? And it's often the small things in our life, because he goes after that passage and he starts talking about sin. And he says that you can actually be, you can actually have sin in your life and it does not lead to eternal death. Now, if you preach that in some churches, they would stone you and throw you out. But you just read it. I didn't say it. God said it. The sin that leads to death. See, the sin that leads to death is rejection of God. All right? You don't go to hell because you stole something. You don't go to hell because you've committed some sin. You go to hell because you've rejected Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Yeah? So you can actually have Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, but still have sin in your life. And if you look at someone like Jonah, I think he was a great example of, you know, Jonah never ran away from God. Because he wasn't that stupid. He ran away from what God asked him to do. And I see a lot of people who, you know, they step out of, out of church and they, you know, it sort of seems like they turn their back on God. They're not turning their back on God because if you talk to them, I remember having talked to one guy who used to come and see me regularly and he was dealing drugs and he was doing this and he was a good pastor's kid, you know, and um, hadn't darkened the door of the church except to come visit his dad at work um, for quite a while. But if you talk to him, he would tell you that he prays regularly, that he talks to God all the time. And I find this constantly when I talk to people who have been in church and, you know, they, they sort of step out and families freaking out, oh, they're backslidden, we call them. They're backsliders. They've rejected God. No, they don't reject God. They actually reject what God's asking them to do. Because they struggle 
with what God asks them to do. And maybe they struggle because they know who they are, they know the sins and their weaknesses and their failings, they think they're not good enough. Or they're afraid, like Jonah, they don't want to go and do because they've got a fence in their life. You know, Jonah was offended by what God asked him to do. God asked him to go and see his enemy and to preach the gospel. And he was so confident in his preaching and the anointing on his life that he knew that if he preached, they would repent. And he says, I hate them. I don't want to go and preach the gospel to them because they'll get saved. And I don't want them to get saved. I want them to go to hell. So Jonah ran away from what God was asking him to do. Because he let his own offence get in the way of God's will. Yeah? Offence will block God's will moving in your life. Unresolved sin, unresolved things, things you don't deal with, will block God working in that area of your life. And you can have God working magnificently in parts of your life, and you can have breakthrough, but other areas you may struggle and not get through because of offence or undealt with sin, or those sorts of things in your life. You know, disobedience. You know, people that say, oh, I'm really struggling financially. Well, do you tithe? No. Because you're not doing what God has asked you to do. You have an area of your life that isn't surrendered over to him. Yeah? You say, I have trouble at work, you know. Nobody believes me. Well, do you always tell the truth? No. I like to stretch it a bit and, well, maybe there's the issue. You see, these things, we, we think, oh, that's logical. But these things block God being able to work in those areas of our life because we haven't surrendered them. And see, what we're trying to do is we're trying to often fix the situation rather than allowing God to solve the situation. We're trying to do it in our street. And a great example is Judas Iscariot. Now, we often think of Judas as this horrible guy who betrayed Jesus. But God really gave me this revelation this week and this understanding of Judas that I want to share with you to show how we can try to do things in our own strength and it causes our death. It causes destruction. Now, yes, God used Judas in that situation. But understand Judas. You don't understand Judas. Judas was Jesus' treasurer. He was in the Jesus Evangelistic Association. He was the treasurer. Yeah? Yeah. Now, he must have had a fair bit of money going through because Jesus took care of his disciples and their families. That was a responsibility of a rabbi. If you had disciples, your responsibility was to the rabbis. And his ministry grew. He had 120. He had 500 hanging around. There was no lack. And we know that Jesus, you know, he wore his Armani suit. Would have been the equivalent because we're in the cross. They said, you know, his coat was too good to be torn up. And they threw lots. They were throwing dice. They were gambling for Jesus' coat because they all wanted it. I'm sorry, you don't want a poor man's coat. And if you don't believe me, we'll go through the city of Perth. We'll go see some poor men and you see if you want their coats. Being there, dealt that space. You don't want to be there. All right? We also know that Judas was stealing. 
and nobody knew except Jesus. Let me tell you right now, it is not easy to take money from the purse without everybody else knowing if there's only a little bit. You know, if you go and there's 20 bucks in the bag and we've all got to be fed for lunch and suddenly you go to the bag and there's only a tenner in there, you're going to notice it, aren't you? But if there's thousands in the bag and someone slips out of 50, you're not going to notice it, are you? So Jesus sounds like this horrible guy because he's stealing from the Jesus ministry bag, all right? But let me tell you, Jesus must have loved Judas. Judas must have been very close to his heart. There are two things I can tell you by one. Firstly, you don't trust somebody with the money that you don't have a good relationship with. Yeah? Are you going to trust someone with your money that you don't have a heart-to-heart connection with? You like to have a good connection with the person handling your money. Secondly, at the Last Supper, where was Judas sitting? He was right next to Jesus. He wasn't on the other side of the room. I'm pretty confident that Jesus and Judas had a conversation about the money. And you think, if this guy's stealing from there, what motivates him to go and steal to go and you know, sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Think about this for a minute. Judas has been with Jesus. They, they force Jesus out onto this hilltop where they're going to throw him off a cliff. What did Jesus do? He just walked back through the cloud, crowd, didn't he? They just couldn't see him. There were times they picked up stones to, to stone Jesus. There were times they came to grab Jesus and Jesus would just walk on through, right? So Judas time and again has seen Jesus come face to face with death and just walk through the crowd, disappear. He's seen them crossing the boat in the storm. What's Jesus doing? He's walking on the water. So Judas has worked out, this guy, he's the son of God. They can't kill him. He's going to walk out. So he goes, you know what? I've been ripping off some money from the purse. There's 20 pieces of silver missing. If I go and sell Jesus, if I go and convince them to pay me to betray Jesus, when we get in that situation where they're face-to-face with Jesus, he's just going to disappear anyway. And I still get the money. We're going to be in Capernaum. I could put my 20 pieces of silver back in, pocket 10, the book's all balanced, And everything's good. Yeah? So he goes and he says, I'll lead you to him. And he's waiting for that moment. And finally that moment arises. And they come. And Judas leads them and he kisses Jesus and he goes, now let's see a bit of action. But Jesus doesn't disappear you know he's waiting for Jesus to transport the wall off to Capernaum and back to their headquarters and it's all good and the money's in the bag I've got a bit in my pocket everything's happy but Jesus doesn't and Judas comes face to face with his betrayal that's why he went and hung himself afterwards that's why he threw the money across the temple 
Because all he was trying to do was cover up his own weakness and failings, the areas in life he hadn't dealt with. And he thought he had a plan to make it happen for him. Because he knew Jesus would forgive him. Because he had already. He wasn't so sure about everybody else. So this was his way of taking care of that. The book's balance. I've got cash in the pocket. Jesus will forgive me. I'm all good. But Jesus didn't do what he expected. And Jesus went to the cross. And so Judas, with nowhere to go, goes and hangs himself. You see, the things that you don't deal with in your life, the things that you don't bring to Jesus and confront up with and deal with and work through will be the things that stop you moving into what God has for you. And when you look at what the disciples did after Jesus went up into heaven, they stepped out into amazing, world-changing ministries. They stepped out into transformation. They stepped into healings and miracles. I mean, you know, they're flying through the air. They're being transported here and there. They're doing amazing things and spreading the gospel. And Judas, was, he was supposed to be a part of that. Not just a part of that. He was the guy sitting next to Jesus. He was, I mean, part of this Bible was supposed to probably be written by Judas. Imagine what he could teach us about finances. Imagine the revelation he could have brought and the understanding that he had. But he missed it because he had stuff that he hadn't dealt with in his life. Things he held on to. You know, we, we teach in leadership that if you're the you know, leader of an organisation or something like that, so we always say that you, know, you focus on your strengths, you work your strengths and you staff your weaknesses. Right? That's good leadership practice. You don't try and do the things you're not good at. You do the things you're good at and then you bring in other people who are good at the things you're not at and as a team you become this unit that effectively does the job. But when it comes to character, it's the other way around. When it comes to character, you need to focus on your weaknesses because your strengths will take care of themselves. If you're strong in character in certain areas then they're a part of your DNA and they will just happen anyway. So when it comes to character, we focus on the areas we're not so strong. We focus on our weaknesses and we address them. Not looking at them and drilling down on them so that we become the weakness, but looking at a weakness and going, how can I overcome this? Because your weakness will determine how high you go in God and what God can do through you. Your weakness will determine how God can bless you and move in your life. They will become... Those, that, un, that unrighteousness, that sin in your life that stops God moving in. And things like, you know, well, the list of them, and you know what it is. I don't have to tell you. You're sitting here going, yes, I know. I know where I'm weak, right? You see, because it's not about how talented you are. It's not about how brilliant you are. It's not about how wonderful you are at something. It's how surrendered you are. It's all about how surrendered you are. And you want to know if you're surrendered or not? Let me ask you, do you get offended? Because if someone... Because you see, see we, are, we are dead, right? We've been crucified with Christ, right? Our problem is we rip the old nails off and jump off the... 
And we carry the old person around with us, you know, stinking and rotten. And someone does something and we get upset and offended. Or someone gets blessed and we go, I want that blessing. And we get jealous rather than rejoicing in them getting the blessing. Or something doesn't happen as we thought it should have happened and we get upset. And then we get offended with God. We start to speak the rubbish. Whatever the area is, whatever your, your weakness is, whatever your sin is that you keep pushing and pushing against, it's time to actually push against and break. And not to do it in your own strength, but you've got to take that to God. Because he already knows. He knows when you get jealous. He knows when you get offended. He knows what upsets you or triggers you or causes you to sin. He knows what gets you angry. He already knows. We need to bring it to him for him to come and deal with that. You know, I used to get angry a lot. It didn't take a lot for me to get angry. I would get angry and I'd be like a bear with a sore head. And it was causing issues in our household. Because I, I like there to be peace in the household. My kind of peace. I like things to flow well. My kind of flow. But you know what? When there's other people involved, it doesn't always work like that. And I was in a job where I had a team and they were a great team, but they didn't always flow where I wanted to flow either. But I couldn't get upset with them because it's your workplace, you're not allowed to, you know what I mean? So I'd come home grumpy. Because I know my family loves me. So I can be grumpy with them. You want to identify with this? And we get upset with those closest to us because we know they'll forgive us and you know, they've got to put up with us. Yeah. And so I had to deal with that. I had to go and I tried to do it in my own strength and I failed dismally. So I had to go to God and just repent of this and say, God, I really need your strength and I just need, I need you to help me with this. And then out of that, bringing it to God, I'm not saying I'm perfect. Yeah, I flew in from the Gold Coast at some ridiculous time after being up at 5.30 Eastern States time, so that's 3.30 here. And, you know, flying from Brisbane to home is not a lovely flight. <laughs> Having to go from the Gold Coast to Brisbane before that is even worse, you know. And I was just, and I've been in meetings all day and I just had enough. And so I came in, and I thought I was really quite constrained. <laughs> My family didn't agree. So I went to bed. <laughs> but you know what? I'm actually okay with how I was, because I remember how I used to be. And it's a journey. You know, I was obviously still grumpy. I don't think I was, but they think I was still grumpy. 
but I know how I used to be. And I know I was better than what I used to be. Well, I hope I was. Because it's a journey of God's grace, of growing in that, of knowing what your triggers are, of God bringing revelation and then knowing how to deal with it in God. Yeah? You've got to bring your weaknesses to God and you have to face up to them because they will be the blockage that stops God moving in your life. It's not about how good you are or how talented or how gifted you are at certain things. They will take care of themselves when it comes to character. It's dealing with your weaknesses and facing up to them and bringing them before God. And if you fall down again, bringing them before God. And fall down, bringing, and not letting offence or jealousy or, you know, we can go through the whole list of sins that are in the Bible. Not letting these things come. You need to, if you're not seeing breakthrough and you're praying, you're saying, God, I need breakthrough this, I'm not seeing it, go to God and say, why? What is stopping this breakthrough? What in my life is stopping me stepping through this? And it might be he's asked you to take an action. You've gone, I ain't doing that. Yeah. <laughs> You've done the Jonah. I'm on the boat heading the other way. Because <laughs> you don't like what he's asking you to do. But he's asking you to do, because he put Jonah in that situation to reveal Jonah's offence. To reveal Jonah's heart. To reveal to him an area he needed to work on. And you say, you can go and do the action like Jonah did. He went and did the action. He went and preached and they repented. But Jonah's response was to go and sit on the hill and wait for God to destroy them all. And then got upset when God didn't. Because they repented. He's he's like, I knew you were going to do this, God. I knew this was going to happen. Because I know where you've blessed me and anointed me. I know I can preach and that you move and people come to Jesus. Yeah. And it's not fair. They don't deserve you. How often do we feel that though? They don't deserve your goodness. Do you know what I've been through? Do you know what my journey is? How come they get it? And we let offence and jealousy in. And we just sound just like Jonah. We can miss the amazing miracle that God's put in front of us. We miss his goodness. You see, you are the righteousness of God. But he wants to make you even more the righteousness of God. Your sin may not stop you getting into heaven. But it will stop you from receiving the goodness that God has for you. And it will stop him being a full part of your life. If you're going, I want to engage heaven, then deal with this stuff. You want to receive the fullness of what God has for you? Deal with this stuff. Because you won't be able to deal with what he has for you if you don't deal with your stuff. It'll break you. It'll lead you away from him. Deuteronomy talks about it. He says, I've blessed you with houses and lands, with, with good things. He says, I've given you cars, I've given you wealth. And he says, what's happened? Where are you on a Sunday morning? You're out on your boat sailing rather than in my house helping other people grow in me. You're hiding behind your, 
your big walls in your house and keeping the world out rather than making a difference. You see, because they didn't have character of heart. And character of heart is what really makes a difference. Yeah? So I want to encourage you. Don't let jealousy in. Don't let offence in. Don't let whatever the sin is, whatever it is that you face on a constant basis that you know rises up and that... Because it'll rise up like a little demon. It'll pop up as a thought in your head. And what you do with the thought is determines your character. And it says take every thought captive to Jesus. Mind your response is, shut up devil in Jesus' name. You just tell them to shut up devil in Jesus' name. And then get on with what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah? When I see someone blessed and I go, it doesn't happen anymore, but I used to think, why do they get blessed and not me? I change that by going, Father, I thank you that you've blessed them with that. I honour that they're blessed with that. Lord, let it be a double blessing on their life. Let it increase. And when you can start to bless people who you see being blessed and you want to be blessed or people who have hurt you and you start to bless them, it changes your heart and it softens your heart and they have no impact on you. <laughs>